Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Justin McNamara alongside uh, Alyssa McNamara-Reed this morning for the first time in a long time. You still there, Alyssa? Yes, I am. Good morning. All right. Good morning. All right. So we are chatting. Um, first off, let me give out the number. We're live in the Merrimack Valley today. Telephone number is 978-454-4980. Uh, uh, again, that's 978-454-4980. If uh, you prefer to email a question, you can email us at questions at McNamaraOnMoney.com or you can go to McNamaraOnMoney.com uh, to submit a question and we'll get back to you uh, either during the show or after if, uh, if it comes in like there. So, you know, th- uh, today we talked about, we've been spending some time talking about current yield and sort of the issues around uh, interest rates coming down. And uh, I, I don't know how much more time we want to spend on that. I think we're probably ready to ready to move on to the next thing. Do you have any follow-up thoughts on that, Alyssa, or are we, we good to go? I'm ready to move on just because I'm invigorated about our next topic. So I'm ready <laughs> to your, go. Your, this, is my, this, baby, was, so. this is my brainchild, and it's just something that I really enjoy talking about. I think it's very interesting. I think it's inspirational, um, and I'm ready. I'm ready to move on. But I, as I said, I will follow your lead today. Well, let's go. Why, why don't, and, and if you if you want to set it up, that's fine. I, th- I think you know we certainly can move on. I mean, you know, just follow up summary thoughts on that yield discussion. I, I think it's it's important for everybody to you know just just to. Just to Make sure that whatever change you make, if you make any, you can handle the risk associated with it, right? So, so when you get in a market like this, and well, I mean any market, but it's 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 sort of amplified at a time like this where, you know, you can you can have almost nothing in yield if you are in a you know sort of a very very high quality, very guaranteed you know type of investment, and then if you want more yield or more return, you're going to have to take on generally speaking more risk, and you just need to be prepared for that. That. And it's a discussion that you should have, you know, with an advisor, preferably, or, or, or at least consider carefully, because you know, a, any type of return come, is going to come with some type of risk, and you just need to understand them, make sure you're okay with them, and, and you know, if you are, great, and if not, 
and and you you know and you need some extra money or and and your portfolio isn't giving you the yield that you need maybe you need to cut back on some expenses if that's the situation that you're in so mm-hmm. i think just just understand where you are and uh make sure that you don't just say hey i need more yield on my investment so i'm going to go buy this uh without knowing exactly what you're getting into and right. I would, yeah and i would just close with that when you're holding cash it's generally for or in my opinion anyway it should be for peace of mind it should be for a emergency reserves, it should be for an imminent expense, anticipated expense in the coming year or two, and I don't think that people should be taking risk with those dollars. Uh, Take risk with your longer-term investment dollars, but no matter what yield or interest rates are, I think that cash, uh, there should be no risk associated with it. I I think you need that to hold its value because it's there for a reason, a very good reason generally. also just think that, you know, cash is king in times like these. This is a period of economic uncertainty for a lot of people, if not everyone. And it just feels great to hold cash. And I don't think that people should be taking risk with those dollars and and just, you know, move on to other things in your life. There's not a lot of yield and it is what it is and it will change in the future. Yeah. Yep. We can't control it. So I wouldn't spend too much time, uh, much time on it. Okay. Did you want to set up our next discussion since this is your, this is your brainchild? I know I I obviously have done some work on it here on my end, but I'll let you, uh, I'll I'll let you set the stage if you'd like. Sure. Um, and this was my brainchild for the discussion today. Certainly the concept is not my brainchild. It's something that, um, (laughs) I've, I wish it was, (laughs) it's pretty, cause it's pretty awesome. So I, I guess, uh, a couple things. So, um, number one, uh, there is like a, uh, a change in, or there's a movement, for ex- first of all, called the FIRE movement, financial independence, retire early. And I think that that like sets the basis for our conversation today. Um, there, there's, you know, you and I have seen in the last almost 20 years since we've been in the business that the definition of retirement has evolved, right? It's no longer a hard and fast line. People are, uh, number one, trying to retire earlier. They are maybe uh, retiring from a high-stress job and doing something lower stress, closer to home. Everybody's close to home these days, but uh, closer to home, um, less hours, less stress. Um, Maybe they're not making as much money, but they're sort of easing. Oh, hello, puppy. Uh, They're sort of easing their way into retirement. So we've seen that in the last 10, 15 years. Um, But now I'm starting to read about and also have discussions with some of my, um, I will say younger, although I have an example of someone uh, in his 50s that I've been having this conversation with as well. Now there's this whole sort of other definition of retirement, which isn't really retirement. It's more this... um, the whole like restructure of it's almost like a restructure of life and and for example I have a uh, early 30s um, client who um, want his goal in life is to work for let's say um, eight year periods of time and then take two years off and then go back to work for another six to eight years and then take a couple years off so it's you, you can't call that retirement, you can, but that is just a whole new concept of, yeah. you know, I want to, I don't want to save my free, you know, my work-free years for when I'm in my 60s or 70s or 80s. I want to enjoy life while I am young and healthy. Um, you know, generally the, the people that are doing this, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of them don't have kids because it's just very hard to... <laughs> Uh, yeah, to, yeah. To, it's harder to pull off uh, with with Sounds children, like but person, yeah, yeah the, the, I, I will say, of course, the discussions I'm having uh, with my clients about this are generally brought up by people that um, are single and don't have kids. Um, yeah. But 
I just think it's really, really interesting. So this FIRE movement, uh, financial independence, retire early, um, it, it's sort of like a part of that. It's like, you know, uh, there, there's the millennial, you know, this is uh, developed by or, or the brainchild of the millennials, and there, it's just, it's another uh, attempt to redefine, I can't really use the word retirement, but redefine non-working years. And I am just really um, interested in it. I, I, I don't that I don't envision that for my life personally, but I love having these conversations with people. Maybe I'm living vicariously through them because these people are um, free and they're going to, you know, travel the world when we can travel safely again and um, yeah. just do these really cool things. And I just, I love the concept of let's enjoy, I want to enjoy my life and my money when I am young and I can. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I, it's an, this is an awful thing to, to discuss, but how many times times in our business have you and I known someone who worked their whole life to save, to build their nest egg and to build a comfortable retirement and they pass six months to a year after. It's yeah. just, you know, it, it, it's just so heartbreaking and, and, you know, under the heading of you never know when it's your time, I just think that this is really, really, really cool. So I have some examples, you know, from some discussions with some of my clients that I can share um, and, and those discussions are generally with my younger clients, my 30s and, and early 40s somethings, but then I just did have a conversation the other day with someone in his early 50s, uh, single, again, no kids, but um, he was talking about the same things. Like, you know, I, I, he, he really wanted to, uh, he was looking for a new job, and he said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to find myself a job where I can start six months from now, and just take six months and just enjoy life, and, and then he was having this, you you know, he brought up some of the same things. Like, I'd really love to, you know, leave my high-stress job at, not at 68, but at 58 and do something different and take a year off and then go back to work. So that's, uh, that's like setting the stage for the discussion, but then we wanted to segue into, you know, how do you pull that off? Front-loading your portfolio. How do you save for that? How do you plan for that? Because, you know, being financial planners, may, maybe part of the reason that I'm invigorated by this is because as a financial planner, it brings up all these new challenges for me, for you and for me. Um, helping clients pull this off is like a whole new ball game, right? It, and it's yeah. really, it's really exciting. So, so that's um, that's where I'm coming from. And I and I brought up to you before today's show, you know, the example of some of a, of a young single um, client of mine, no kids. Um, it, kids are expensive. We all we all know that. God love them. Can't imagine life without them. But um, you know, they they change the financial ball game a little bit. Um, but you know, I I just have this example of this one client who's just been a really, really, really great saver. And he's only 35, 36. And he has been able to accumulate such a nest egg at this young age. And the possibilities for him are not unlimited, but are just are, are, are many and varied. And it's just really cool. And I wanted to spend some time on that today. I mean, I think even, you know, I'm, I'm, we're now at the point where when we have retirement discussions with pre-retirees, I'm, I'm sort of surprised when folks, you know, don't plan to work. I mean, it's, it's just and not, not in a bad way. I mean, obviously everyone's, you know, everyone gets their own opinion. And, and you know, if you prefer not to work at all, um, God bless you. But I, it's, it seems more frequent that some that, that, you know, sort of even retirees will do something right. They might retire earlier and have a more flexible job and they may do some consulting or they may do some do some part-time work or some volunteer work and it, it, it just sort of seems more and more common in the retiree space and and so I think it's probably you know maybe some of these you know maybe some of these people are seeing parents work you know have, have nice balanced lives and and uh, you know want to get that for themselves because why wouldn't you you know well and balance is such a key word right there and I and I think you know for a long time we were uh, uh, you know, generations past, right? It was just setting this precedent of I'm going to work for 40 years and then I'm going to have a 10 to 15 to 20 year retirement. And that's just the way that it was for a long time. So that was just like, that's what you do. You work, you either, you know, work for a long enough time where, you know, in generations past, you had a pension that, 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 
you know, paid your expenses in retirement. Now it's you work so that you can build your portfolio to sustain yeah. your retirement. Um, that, but, may, that, probably has, that may have something to do with work post-retirement too. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 Related, yeah. 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 But I just think, you know, that's just the way that people grow up, that their, that their parents just, they work, they work a 40, 50, whatever hour work week and, and they retire in their sixties. And I just think that, you know, maybe for me, as I've gotten a little bit older, my kids are starting to grow up, and you you start to like, you just start to realize that time is so precious, and and you know, especially me being a mom, like, you know, and you being a dad, like, you know, that time with your kids is so precious, and so you're constantly trying to achieve that balance. Um, and and I just I really actually I love reading about other countries, for example, that one one northern European country I feel like recently mandated a four day work week because it's just it's been a five day work week for so long. Was it Sweden or Switzerland or something? <laughs> the, the, I, I just it sounds like it would be. I yeah, <laughs> and I think like I just think that's so cool. Like I, I sometimes I you know months ago when life was more fast paced than it is today and you know sometimes you come home at the end of the day and you barely see your kids and you're like what's the point you know like I you know I just you know for me being a you know there's so many working moms out there and um and working dads and and sometimes aren't you like what's the point in all this I miss my kids I want to see spend time with my family so I just think that this whole movement this whole um redefining work and non-work life um, it's 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 just stems from trying to achieve balance in your life, and I think it's really cool. And I cannot yeah, say I bet, that. I, yeah, I'll, I'll bet you it's going to pick up steam after. Well, I mean, I, I feel like I, I hope it is. I mean, I know that we've been having discussions with our friends and sort of saying what you know, what's the you know, everyone, folks who are lucky enough to still be employed, and obviously we we acknowledge that there are lots of folks who are not in that position, uh, and so I don't want to be insensitive here, but. You know, folks who are still able, you know, like us who are still able to work from home, um, you know, are, you know, are sort of saying to themselves, hey, what was what was the point of all, you know, of all the going into the office and all the long hours? Because this right. is pretty, this is pretty fantastic. So I'm, I'm hoping that we'll have a, uh, you know, a kind of a lifestyle adjustment as a society where we spend a little bit less time working. And, and you know, although we'll. That could be wishful thinking, but... Uh, uh, no, I, I think that that will be the case. I, I think that now that businesses have most employees set up to work from home and hopefully finding that they're at least 80% functional from home, like, yeah. you know, even if they're losing, let's say, for example, 20% of their productivity from their employees, well, how does that compare with your commercial real estate expenditures, right? Yeah. So I, I think that I, I maybe I'm, a, you know, I'm like the eternal optimist, but I do think that this will be life-changing for, for businesses and for professionals and, uh, I think it will help people achieve a better balance for sure. Yeah. So you one of the, our uh, our hypothetical person here, just just so I, we can you know we can have a kind of a baseline to start talking about you know about sort of I mean so what I did was I put in you know I called him uh, called him Max Young and okay. uh, making, <laughs> he's, he's making he or she you know, I guess Max could be a male man or woman. Uh, making a good salary as a 25-year-old, right? I mean, you know, of course, anyone can, you know, you can do this at any salary because you, you know, we're sort of frequently seeing, uh, you know, younger folks, right? Maybe maybe just out of college or early 20s will, you know, may still be living at home, right? And so you may have that. I mean, we're really talking about anyone who has expenses that are fairly low as compared to their income, right? I mean, we're, we're going to use, you know, the, the, the example that I have in here, um, Max is going to be making $150,000 per year, right? So obviously a good job. And we'll just have low expenses, sort of simply by virtue of the fact that, you know, we'll assume that, uh, you know, they're renting, right? They're, you know, they're not, you know, they're not going out and, you know, 150 grand is a lot to spend on, you know, on entertainment, essentially, right? You know, I mean, maybe that's, maybe I'm being judgy as someone who has three kids and a mortgage. I'm like, you know, you, you got, <laughs> you don't have anything to spend your money on. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's, that's a good, that's a very good salary. And, and frankly, it's, you know, it's, you know, God bless you if you can do it. And, and that's, that's a, that's a lot of entertainment, but 
Um, if you're making that salary at that age, chances are you at least have the ability to save a good chunk of money. And so that's what I'm going to, no, that's what I'm going to forecast here. And I think we'll probably in the next half hour, we'll run some different scenarios about, you know, what, you know, what might he do with his money and what's the best place to put it. And we'll get into options of, you know, if you're, if you have this situation or you want to give it a whirl, what's the best place to save. And we'll talk about annuities and taxable accounts and 401ks and Roth IRAs and all that good stuff and get into some of the details of it. Uh, but for now, let me just... Yeah, why, and, why, and while you're pulling that up, I just wanted to sort of bring up the point that, you know, it's just... It, we've we've talked about it on air before that people it's just it's normal for people's lifestyle to change i.e. get better when their income gets better right yep. so you know it, that's just normal that's human nature but you, you know you, you make more money you want a bigger house you make more money you um, want to drive a better car uh, you can spend more money traveling and stuff like that and and, it's, and of course no judgment here that's just normal I, yeah yeah I I I did significant renovations to my home as I made more money to my yard. Like, you know, that's just normal. But I just, under the under the heading of redefining financial life, yeah. what if, what if that didn't happen, right? What if instead, what if as your income grew, your life didn't change and you were able to just save all that money, right? So much easier said and done, said than done, excuse me. But, but the point is the people that can do that, the people whose lifestyles really don't change, they're still renting an inexpensive apartment, they're driving their old car, even as their income grows, um, you know, these are the people that are going to be able to successfully front load their portfolio to take the pressure off later. Those are the people who are going to be able to retire, you know, probably maybe earlier than others. They, they are the people that might be able to take a two to three year sabbatical and then return back to work, even if their earnings are lower because they've given themselves that financial freedom to do so. So I just, I think that that's a relevant point that, you know, it's just, we're in a consumer driven society and, and and people are driven by wants in addition to needs and 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 I just wanted to bring up that point that you know just it's it's okay to rethink that of course much yeah. easier said than done yeah yeah I mean I, I also feel like maybe this is just my personal opinion but I, I, I feel like the the sort of the the pressure to kind of keep up gets older as, you know, gets, gets more as you get older. Right. I mean, I, I don't necessarily, when I was a younger, I didn't well, and this just could be, again, uh, maybe I'm, maybe I could be a strange guy here, but I didn't feel the need to do, to be doing this out of the other when I was younger. Whereas when you're older and you have kids and then, you know, your, your kids start to you know, see other kids, I feel like there's more pressure on you at that point in life. And, and if you can, <laughs> you can save more early then you're just getting you're getting ahead of that game and you'll know, make it easier for you to you know to not have to worry so much about that and oh you know i have to well this person just you know put an addition on their house and then you know this person just put a pool on so you get sort of into that stuff and right. I, I certainly feel that more now than i ever did and and so if you're if you're a young person now and you have the ability to get way ahead as far as your financial circumstance uh you know i think you know and we we always we've always told that people that anyway but um maybe that's just another reason to do it so you don't have to worry about that that pressure as much as you go forward yeah absolutely okay so let me, let me you know so max young here uh again just fairly briefly uh so what we're going to do is uh, so max is 25 years old and you know i can i can manipulate this as we as we check i know we haven't okay. discussed this uh, ahead of time. So he's 25 years old. Uh, again, his salary right now is $150,000 per year. Let's say he just let's, let's make him a, you know, a software engineer, uh, making some good money. Uh, and, you know, I think Max will have a 401k in, in our base plan. What I did was I said, Max has a 401k and he is going to max it out to the tune of uh, $19,500 per year. Okay. Okay. Yep. And in that base plan, if you, you know, we, so we factored in his taxes. What I did was, so I, I gave him, 
of $150,000 in gross income. We'll calculate his taxes via our, uh, our, our financial planning software. And I gave him expenses of $4,500 per month, which I think is you know, a fairly reasonable number for a single person. Let's just, let's say they're renting $4,500 a month. Maybe that's, you know, two grand in rent and, you know, another 2,500 in expenses. And, and so I, I'll have that in place for 10 years. And then at 35, we're going to have him, uh, maybe, uh, maybe he gets married. Maybe he has some children and his expenses jump up to $7,000 per month. All right. Okay. So essentially, you know, what, what we have is a, a young person who is going to have 10 years before their life gets expensive. Right. And so, yep. you know, and then, 10 years where they have about $30,000 in discretionary cash flow. And I thought maybe we could spend some time on, you know, what, you know, and I probably won't get there before the break, but we'll look at what he might do with that money, right? If he just spends it, what, you know, what's going to be, what, what will that uh, outcome be as far as his retirement odds? When can he retire? Uh, how much will he have, you know, potentially in his, in all of his retirement savings plans at retirement. And then we can, you know, you know, we can start throwing in some other scenarios where we actually invest that money. And then we can look at some different types of investments as far as what, you know, what's the, you know, the optimal way for him to go. Uh, and we can just run some different scenarios and, and really illustrate the point. I mean, everyone knows, you know, if you save 30 grand a year for 10 years and then, um, you know, that, that's a fairly good head start, right? That's, that's uh, $300,000 that you're adding to your pot pre-35. And then as that investment grows, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're going to get to have 20, 25, 30 years of growth after that. And so you're really going to get ahead. And I think everyone knows that, but we can run some numbers to illustrate that and just show you how much of an advantage it, it really is to get started early. You okay with that? I am okay with that. Yes. And I, and I think that, well, I don't know how much, oh, all right, I'll make my point when we come back. Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara alongside uh, Alyssa McNamara-Reed today. We are chatting about young folks with discretionary income and getting ahead uh, early and, and maybe even, you know, a, a change in lifestyle for uh, for, you know, for maybe the next generation of people and kind of rethinking work-life balance and all that stuff. That makes it, that makes it sound pretty, <laughs> pretty weighty, but uh, that's what we're talking about. If you have any questions on that or anything else, please don't hesitate to give us a ring. Telephone number uh, 978-454-4980. Again, uh, live in the Merrimack Valley today, 978-454-4980. If you have any questions uh, that you've got to submit via email, questions at McNamaraonmoney.com. And uh, all right, so we, we are sort of setting up our uh, our scenario here. Again, we're using Max Young. Um, he's 25 years old, makes $150,000. He is going to, uh, he has expenses at $4,500 now, and we're going to run those for the next 10 years when, when his life gets uh, more expensive. So how, so how do you want to do this as far as, do you want to just sort of run the base scenario and, and try to compare it to that or what, what do you what do you think we should do or, yeah, maybe you can run a scenario where he uh, just maxes his 401k for life yeah. and then obviously when his expenses increase he he can't save more than that he's just maxing and then maybe you could run another scenario where he maxes the 401k and he can save thir that thirty thousand dollars in another, uh, what we call a non-qualified or a non-retirement investment for those 10 years. And his portfolio is, you know, X hundreds of thousands bigger and, and just comparing those two. And I just, I wanted to bring up, um, I, I just wanted to bring up the point that when it comes to saving for retirement, I think, I hope everyone knows that they have a retirement plan available to them, right? Like most people know what a 401k is. Maybe not most people have one available to them because it's up to employers to offer 401ks to their employees. But even if your employer doesn't have a 401k, anyone that has earned income can make a retirement contribution, right? So I, I think that, you know, we're, we're certainly in this world where everyone knows that their 
most people know that their savings for retirement go into an IRA, 401k, or something similar, right? I I just wanted to make the point that, and, and this discussion I think will illustrate that depending on what your goals are, that it might not be enough. Like I think what people are sort of hyper focused on, okay, I'm gonna put my, you know, five or ten or fifteen percent in my IRA or I'm gonna max my IRA or my four oh one K and they kinda of stop there. Right? There's yeah. not a lot of people that are that you know, they're they, they max their retirement plans and then they're looking for, well, we work with some motivated inve- investors that are looking for ways, but I, I just, I feel like we're in this world where, well, maybe if I, you know, if I put 10, 15% in my retirement plan, then all my financial problems later in life are solved, right? Would you agree? And and I think that, I just think it's really important for people to know that there are First of all, there are a myriad of ways that people can save and invest for their future, whether it's retirement or these sabbaticals that we're talking about. Um, but I, I just I don't want people to be so hyper focused on well, just putting X percent in my four hundred one k is going to be sufficient, and then I should stop there and not worry about it anymore. Do you know what I mean? So we're we're gonna try like illustrate that now where. Um, you know, again, and, and for, for some people, like, you know, when we do the educational fair for the high school kids, I say to them, you know, if, if you can start by putting, let's say, 15% in your 401k for every year for the rest of your life, and you start when you're 24 or 23, right, when you get your first job, then you'll probably be okay financially, right? And I, and I do, I stand by that. It depends on what your goal is. If you have a traditional goal for retiring and retiring in your mid-60s, I, I stand by that. I think that that's probably good. But like we're talking about people are redefining this retirement, right? So yeah. I, I just wanted to bring up the point today that don't necessarily just stop at putting that 10 or 15% in your 401k and don't necessarily assume that that's going to be okay because, of course, it depends on when you start and it depends on what your goals are. Yeah, obviously, yeah. I mean, yeah, our, our rule, you know, rules of thumb are, I think, helpful. There's a reason that we have them, but, uh, you know, they don't, they certainly don't apply to everybody, right? I mean, I think the rules of thumb are, are sort of, this is like a minimum <laughs> that you want to do. If you do this, if you plan to retire, this is kind of your baseline where you should start. And at least if you start young, you're not, you know, you're not too far behind, but you know, we, we, we've never told anyone that, Hey, just do this and you'll be okay. It's well, if I know it's hard to plan the rest of your life. And if you ask a 25 year old, Hey, when do you want to retire? They probably would say, I, I have no idea. Right. And, and so it's, it's difficult to plan that far out anyways, but yeah, I, I certainly understand that every situation is different. And this is, you know, we're going to, we're going to be talking about a very, you know, sort of a very different type of a situation where, um, with, uh, with Max Young here. So let's, um, let's get into a little bit of, uh, oh man, did I? Sure. And I'll just make, and I'll just make one other point. Like I, you know, I was talking about people tend to be hyper-focused on, you know, retirement, right. And, and, and I can actually think of one situation where I was in a meeting with a, a young, I'm going to call him an overachiever. He was a 20 something, makes pretty good money as an engineer. Uh, you know, for, for you to be 27 and walk into a financial advisor's office with, um, you know, not just really motivated and wanting to save, like, good for you, you know, and I, and I very much respect this young man, and um, I, can, I can remember one of our first conversations where I'm, you know, talking to him about, you know, let's, you know, let's max your Roth IRA, and you're putting X percent in your 401k, so, so you know, I, I've, I've been not guilty, but I, but I can sometimes hyper-focus on that as well, just because that's a norm for retirement planning. But he was actually the one in our meeting that said, and I love this kid, and he said, young man, I shouldn't call him a kid, but he yeah, said, <laughs> he said, um, well, what about saving outside of retirement? I really want a chunk of money that I can access before I'm 59 and a half. And I just, you know, I was like, this this guy's awesome. I, you know, thank you for bringing that up. I'm so, and then, and then we started getting into these conversations about he envisions trying to retire before he's 59 and a half. So a traditional retirement plan where you can't, can't access it without penalty before 59 and a half. Of course, there's some exceptions for a Roth, but you know, he, he knew about this and he was aware of it and he knew that he should be doing something different. And I was like, this, I love it. This is invigorating. So this kind of leads us here today. So I didn't mean to, you've, you've met this, this young gentleman. He's just, he's great. He just, he's an overachiever totally. And I'd say that, and I say that to his face in a, in a, in a very complimentary way. 
Yeah, we 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 like that when that happens. That we don't have we don't have to be the one you know. Uh, we don't have to be the one con- doing the convincing on that and saying, hey, maybe you should open a different type of account. Right, right. So right. Yeah, so I'm, yeah, so I'm sorry to interrupt, but go ahead if you're ready yeah. with your numbers. Okay, so I, mean, so I just, so again, this is Max Young. So all I did was I kept, so for this scenario, I, I, I took out inflation, right? So in, in investment rates of return uh, and actual inflation on salary, you know, we're, we're constantly you know, working with inflation and, and having to, you know, quote unquote, deal with inflation and, and projections on inflation when we do our real planning. But just to keep things simple, I took inflation out of this scenario. And so I just put in rates of return that were kind of, you know, real rates of return. Okay. Right? So I, yep. you know, I, in retirement, he earned 2% per year, but that's a real rate of return because there's no inflation. Right. And then uh, while he was saving, he's in his aggressive portfolio. So he earned 4%. So all the dollars that we'll be able to use here are, again, their projections, their educated guesses, uh, but they are real dollars as opposed to deflated dollars, right? When we run projections for folks that have inflation in them and and rates of return that are on the higher end, the numbers look huge, but the spending power (laughs) is not necessarily right. Oh, you're going to have $5 million. You're going to spend like... It's been like two, right? It, so, can, it can give people a false sense of security when you're showing right. such large yeah. numbers 50 years from now, right? 40 right. years from now. It's like, oh, I'm going to have four and a half million. I'm going to be set. Well, let's, yeah. you know, yeah, I, I like the way that you're projecting this. Yeah. Yeah, your expenses are 300000 a year at that point. Right. right? <laughs> and your health insurance is, you know, 20000 a month. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so, you know, what I did, I just had him save in his 401k. He maxes his 401k every year until retirement at 60, right? So I, I gave him, an, you know, so this is a 25-year-old who maxes his retirement plan every year for 35 years and then retires into a $7,000 per month retirement, right? So his, his post-35 expenses are going to stay, you know, we'll just stay level, right? He's, he's 25, he's, he's young, he's not spending that much money, he turns 35 and he spends seven grand a year for the rest of his life. Even under that scenario, retirement is, is no guarantee, right? Or at least mm-hmm. an early retirement at 60, so I have odds of about 37%. Mm-hmm. Right, so maybe better. I mean, that's that's a fairly early retirement when you're when you live into age ninety. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, but it's not great odds for him to retire. And his total savings again. That this is a this is like a, a real savings number, not not inflated. Uh, will be about one point four million dollars. So if, you know him saving nineteen thousand yeah. five hundred dollars at age sixty, he'll have a nest egg about $1.4 million. So, but again, it's not, you know, no small amount of money and you, you can live a, you can live a decent life if you had $1.4 million right now. But if you are going to retire early and you're going to have to draw on that nest egg pre social security, it's not mm. all that much money. Right. And a mil- right. And I think it brings up the point that a million isn't what it used to be. And a lot of people for a long time, maybe not so much in recent years, but for a long time, people were kind of like, hey, if I hit that million number, I'm going to be okay. And yeah. we would find in our analysis that that's not necessarily the case because, you know, where we live, cost of living is high and real estate is expensive and life just costs a lot of money. So I think that um, that 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 is a good point. And the other point I wanted to make is that this is a great example of how much does this gentleman, this hypothetical gentleman, Max, earn? One hundred and fifty thousand a year. Yeah. yeah. So, for, so another point is that um, the, for a long time, that say, let's try to save 10% of your gross income into your 401k and that's like a good target we're finding that I've actually been using closer to 15% as a good savings target for people for saving for their lifetime you know with, with, with changes in the social security administration and maybe social security income not keeping up with inflation or benefits being reduced I'm, I'm we've been talking to people about you know fit maybe 15 is a better target so this is a great example of that because 19.5 his max 401k contribution is 13% of his gross salary. So he's not at that 15% target yet. So that's right. a great illustration that just 10% to your retirement plan every year for the rest of your life, that might not be enough either, right? And for a long time, that was a good rule of thumb. Uh, but this yeah. is a great example of that it might not be, especially if you're targeting an earlier than average uh, retirement, which many people are. People are burning out from working right. so long and commuting, which maybe you know maybe that will change. But as we just already discussed, 
Yeah, we do have a lot of discussions about folks who would like to retire at 60, and, and uh, unfortunately, you, you mean you need to prepare early for, for that. I mean, the, the numbers, you know, the, the number of working years that you have and the, num- you know, the, the compound growth on your investments, you know, it just doesn't work over short periods of time. So unless you're saving a ton early, it, it's harder and harder to realistically project those, those early retirements uh, without a lot of work on the front end, right? Because, right. you know. Because people are just living longer and longer, and it's just hard. It's hard for you know to sit down with a planner and say, "Hey, yeah, everything is going to be fine if you retire at sixty, because we're worried about you living to ninety-five or a hundred. Right. And that's just a lot. It's a long, long time to draw right. a, a nest egg. So, father recently uh, passed. Our grandfather recently passed at age ninety-seven. Yeah. People are living a long life, and you know, yeah. good for them. Um, yes. Yeah, so and then, if you run the second analysis, in, in, in um, where where this young uh, eager saver. Is is maxing his 401k and saving $30,000 a year for 10 years. So he, we're going to see much different numbers. He is what I'm going to call front-loading his savings or front-loading his portfolio so that, and it just opens up this opportunity for the people that are able to do that. this where they're able to save early in life and front load their their retirement savings their what what will happen is their portfolio has more of an opportunity to work for them so that they later on don't have to work as hard to save money to add to the portfolio so this these these uh, young people that have great cash flow low expenses great earnings great ability to save they are positioning themselves Per, you know, I wouldn't say perfectly, but they're positioning themselves very well for a bright financial future because the more dollars you have to work it, to 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 invest, of course, you know, earnings aren't guaranteed, and we have volatility in the markets. But generally speaking, we would anticipate investment dollars to have a rate of return, you know, ongoing on average anyway. And um, you know, these the, if your portfolio can work hard for you you might not have to work as hard to save into that portfolio. Yeah. Yes. And, and so I, you know, I, I ran some other scenarios, right. And, and, you know, maybe we'll do a little bit of detail on this, but I have, a, I have one other, right. And so, you know, in, in, in all of our other scenarios, what I did was I ran, uh, I assumed that he invested that extra $30,000 a year, right. So his, his expenses member mm-hmm. jumped 2,500 a month at age 35 in our, in our hypothetical scenario. And so from 25 to 35, I just said, hey, instead of having him spend this, what we're going to do is we're going to have him invest all this money, right? We're going to have him put $300,000 to work over a period of 10 years, and we'll see what that does to our odds. Obviously, they're going to improve them, uh, and, Mm -hmm. and in fact, they do, right? So in this case, you know, this particular scenario I'm running uh, we're going to have him put the money into an annuity. We're not even going to be as aggressive with our with our rate of returns on with our rates of return on this second scenario. He's only earning three percent per year on his uh, on his variable annuity because we'll be, you know, for comparison purposes. I just I did a little bit of a conservative rate of return because I'll have one with a taxable account as well. But his rate, his success rate, jumps from the 30s all the way up to a 70 percent success rate, which again, I, I want to stress is, is a fairly good rate for an early retirement when you're forecasting a, mm-hmm. you know, a, 30, a 30 year retirement, right? I mean, you know, it's hard to, to get those hundred percent numbers when you're drawing on a portfolio, right? When there's, when there's no pension involved and, you know, social security, there will be a social security here, but um, it's not going to cover all of his income. And so anytime you're drawing on a portfolio for 30 years or more, uh, you you know you're going to have some failure rates just because you're going to get some lousy uh, you'll get some lousy markets in there right the, 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 our our success our Monte Carlo software is designed to try to figure out you know uh, you know what what percentage of the scenarios are successful and what which are failures and uh, you know this is this is just one where it's it's a seventy percent success rate which is again not bad for a sixty year old. Um, well, I should also, uh, let me grab his total portfolio value. And while, yeah, while, while you're doing that, I'll just make, uh, just to piggyback off of the point regarding front, front loading a portfolio and how the portfolio then is working hard for you. 
versus you trying to work hard to always pump more money in later on. If you think about, let's say, a 35-year-old that, you know, they haven't focused a lot on savings for retirement, you know, in their 10-ish working years yet. Let's say a 35-year-old accumulates $50,000 in a 401k. And, and if that 401k in a given year earns 8%, that is a $4,000 earnings in that year on his 50,000, right? So 58% of 50,000 is $4,000. For this overachieving young person that we're talking about, this aggressive saver, let's say this, this in these 10 years, this 35-year-old was able to accumulate $400,000. We're talking about big numbers, but it, this is not out of the realm of possibility if people keep their expenses low and make good money, right? But just simple math, so you earn the same 8% on your $400,000, that's $32,000 of portfolio earnings, which is $28,000 more than the portfolio earnings of someone who has 50000 right? So, so that the aggressive saver, his portfolio earned an extra 28000 just from investment earnings, not guaranteed, of course, just for illustrative purposes. But I don't. I think eight percent per year on average for an aggressive portfolio is not out of the realm of reality. Historically, it has not been, and so that's what I mean by the portfolio working hard for this person because that fifty thousand dollar person, that thirty five year old, would have to save of his own money another twenty eight thousand that year to have the same growth. Does that make sense? Yeah, so exactly. I just, I, I just, I just wanted to make that point that that this ability, and again, it's very, it is not the norm, and it is, uh, it is very impressive for the people that can do it. Um, and it takes discipline, and it takes uh, lifestyle choices that sometimes aren't easy, but it just, it's from a financial planning perspective, it is very powerful, and it just, will provide that saver with so many more options in the future regarding when they want to retire or if they want to take a cut in pay to have a lower stress job or it's take us that sabbatical we were talking about. So it's just very, that's what I mean by the portfolio working harder for that saver. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I, and I also ran, um, so in, in the scenario that I had this fellow, uh, for this fellow, I also, instead of him saving that $19,500 per year, um, you know, the, the scenario that I ran, I had him funding a variable annuity, which we should, you know, just briefly touch on. So a, a variable annuity is a, it's an investment, sort of an insurance investment hybrid, and you can essentially create a, a pseudo IRA, right? So you can put money into a variable mm-hmm. annuity and you don't pay taxes along the way, right? So you're putting that money into a tax deferred bucket so you don't have those capital gains uh, and those dividends to pay taxes on. It's a, it's a, it's a discussion that's probably more and more relevant, especially for a, you know, someone who's very, very young and who, uh, and who is really thinking about retirement and, and early retirement, right? I mean, there's, there are downsides to them because if you take the money out, just like an IRA, you have that 10% penalty. But if you're going to accumulate substantial savings, right, and, and, and one of a, you know, if I have if I have Max Young put money into just a taxable account, uh, you know, and, and I have him save all of his extra money into a taxable account, you know, he's looking at uh, his pot is around two point two million dollars, right? So he's saving that thirty plus thousand bucks a year in addition to his four hundred one k. His retirement balance goes from that 1.4 million in change in just his 401k to 789,000 in additional savings in his taxable account for a total of 2.2. So he didn't he didn't quite double it because again he only saves that for that 30 years. for 10 years and he continues right. along with his 401k all you know all, all through his life until age until age 60 at retirement. But, um, you know, so we're talking about a difference of, you know, what's that, you know, at least, it's at least 50% more in assets for just that 10 years of serious saving. Granted, it's a lot of saving, but it's, it's, a, yeah. you know, it's, it's a big nest egg. And but that's a gr- yeah. 
ahead, sorry, sorry, I was just going to say that's a that's also a great example of the power of compounding interest because ten years right. of savings at thirty thousand is three hundred thousand dollars of his own savings when he's thirty five, give or take. It, you know, with earnings, it would be a little bit higher when he's thirty five if he's th doing thirty thousand a year. But then his three hundred thousand grows to. Did you just say seven hundred and eighty nine thousand in the next twenty five years when he's sixty? So that's yeah. a great example of of interest on interest. You know, earnings on earnings on earnings, and 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 just a great compounding interest example as well. He didn't touch. He didn't add anything to it in this model after age thirty five. But it but it grew significantly with anticipated again not guaranteed investment earnings. Right. Yeah, and, and, and you know the, the reason that you want to have a discussion about where you save that money is because there are you know there, there's a there's a tax drag on a you know a large portfolio a seven hundred eighty nine thousand dollar taxable portfolio is going to have some tax consequence to it right I mean taxes are you, know, you can you can manage portfolios tax efficiently uh, but uh, you know that doesn't mean that you're not going to have any taxes related to it because you know you'll have you'll have dividends you'll have rebalancing. And and we don't know what tax rates are going to be 35 years from now, right? Or, you know, it, it, we don't even know what they're going to be five years from now, let alone right. 35 years from now. And so you have a discussion about, okay, if it's real retirement money, then maybe you want to look at an annuity. There'll be a higher cost structure internally for an annuity probably. Uh, but if you're really talking about all those years of growth, that's probably worth it, and you'll probably end up with more money, assuming you don't need the money in, in the meantime, right? right? So you can right. tie it up and get rid of it, and so you know, and as long as you don't touch it and pay your penalties, you probably end up better off. But you don't have the flexibility versus a taxable account where you know you may be, you know, you may have a a, a tax issue for <laughs> every, every so often. We'll have a client who, you know, if we have if we do some rebalancing or if they take a distribution where you get a kind of a tax surprise and folks don't like it, but um, <laughs> You know, that's sort of the price you pay for the flexibility of a taxable account where, uh, you know, you can get that money at any time. Maybe that's money that, you know, if you if you had that big account, maybe you could pay cash for your house as opposed to, uh, you know, buying a house with a mortgage and all that stuff. So you, you have to kind of weigh those pros and cons. But in this case, I just had him. He wants to do a retirement. We'll save it in an annuity. And, um, you know, and that was the 70 percent success rate scenario. Yeah. And annuities can be great if, if there's if retirement is anticipated over age 59 and a half, because similar to a retirement account, there's restrictions regarding drawing before then. But I'm glad you brought up that point regarding with a non-qualified, as we call it, but like a non-retirement brokerage account, individual account, joint account, not uh, not any, not a tax specific account. But I'm glad you brought that up about flexibility. We've been f we've been focusing on saving these dollars for that retirement, early retirement, or that sabbatical. But you know, for the maybe maybe people find as they get old, you know, maybe they thought they were going to retire early, but they find themselves in a job that they love and they're never going to retire. Or they do consulting and 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 they don't actually anticipate they don't actually end up retiring early. That having that flexible non retirement pot of money. Yes, you've paid some taxes along the way, but it provides you with that flexibility for, for whatever, you know, people, how many times have we gotten the call, I bought a boat, I need some money, uh, I, I'm my I'm going to help my son or daughter with a down payment on their home, I need $30,000, uh, you know, I, I'm, I, I think I'm going to buy a second home in Florida, you know, I need 50000 down. So, you know, it just, it gives you having that flexible account that you can draw from before 59 and a half. Um, ends up being it just give it just gives people a lot of options later in life and that, that they're from a financial perspective that's awesome yeah the, the flexible annuity scenario the, the flexible lifestyle scenario doesn't really work well right so you know you, you probably want to do your 401k because that's where you get your matching money right so, I mean you know usually there's a there's some kind of a match in most 401ks and it's certainly if, if this this fellow is, you know, working for a large company. There's probably going to be some free money that we didn't that we didn't account for in our scenario. Uh, but if you're really looking for that flexibility, you probably want to maximize, you know, a taxable account where you can grab money at any time with with only capital gains consequences and potentially a Roth IRA. And I know, you know, say, well, look at that, we're getting played off. So, but anyway, more flexibility if you're looking for a flexible life. Don't tie your money up and have a great day.